Our precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege we have again to gather to hear your word. We trust you to teach us. We trust you to help us to understand what the words are saying tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. Being led by the Holy Spirit. This is also in front of our theme for the year, which is living the spirit life. In Galatia 5.16, in Galatia 5.16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. In Galatia 5.25, the same Galatia 5 verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So one way we live the Spirit life is by being led by the Holy Spirit, by being guided by the Holy Spirit. The Scripture says, if we follow, if we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then we are not going to fulfill the cravings of the flesh. But you know that we are constantly, there is nobody who is a Christian who is not under this flesh and spirit uh, pool. So it's something because we live in this world, our flesh has desires, our spirit has desires. In, in Galatians chapter 5 verse 17, it says, for the, flesh lost, for the flesh lusted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. So you see, we are, we are constantly having this struggle, the flesh, the, the spirit, you know, the flesh wants this, the spirit wants this. And so the Bible is saying that that is uh, a major challenge for a Christian, that the thing can hinder you from doing what you want to do. So if you follow, if you make up your mind now to follow the guidance of your spirit, then you deprive your flesh the dominance. You deprive your flesh the guidance is seeking. You deprive your flesh the, the, the power to pull you to its desires and to what it wants. So you see that being led by the Holy Spirit is a very powerful way to be led to do the life, to live the life of the Spirit, the life of Jesus Christ, to fulfill the will of God in our lives. In Romans 8, 12, the scripture says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. We don't have obligation to follow the flesh. In verse 13, for if you live by its dictates, remember what we said? The flesh pulls, the spirit pulls. As long as we're on this earth, we're going to have our flesh trying to want us to do something, say something, decide something based on the way he understands it, based on the way he thinks it has to be. But we, we have to follow the Holy Spirit in his leading. So in verse 10, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. You see, the flesh will lead you into separation, no fellowship with God. Will lead us away from fellowship with God because he's leading you away from guidance of the Holy Spirit. Leading you away from what God is doing. So, and two can work together except there is an agreement. So, the flesh will lead you away from source of life, from fellowship with the Holy Spirit, from being partnered with the Holy Spirit to do what God wants for your life and what God wants as His will. And so, in verse 14, it says, it says, 13 says, For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death, the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. You will live. You will fulfill the life of the Spirit. You will fulfill, you will live because life, the Word of God is the Word of life. If you follow it, you live in fellowship with the Spirit of God. You really live in fellowship with the source of life itself. You know, so 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful, slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we can call him Abba Father. Now, the same thing that Galatia is saying is that what this Romans is saying. If you go back to verse 13, 
Verse 14 is a follow-up on verse 13. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, the, the power of the Spirit, you put to death, you, you put to death, you knock out life, put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Now, 14 tells us how to employ the power of the Spirit. For all who are laid by the Spirit of God, who are laid by the Spirit of God, who subject them, themselves, who yield themselves to the Holy Spirit, all who yield themselves to the influence of the Holy Spirit, come under his power. They come under his power. They are led by, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you yield yourself, surrender yourself to the influence of the Holy Spirit, you come under his power, the ability he supplies, you come under the wisdom he gives you, and you come under his guidance. So that's how you really, really employ the power of the Spirit and deaden and kill and destroy all this, all this pool of the flesh in one area or another. So you see, it's so simple. It's something that we need to really, really put our minds to and study this thoroughly so we, are, we know how we are led by the Spirit of God so we can always deaden and kill those pools of the flesh that hitherto we didn't think we have answers to. We have answers to them. There, he said God has not given us the Spirit to be a slave to anything. We have answers to them. We do have answers to them. He said we have no obligation to follow the, the flesh. You so can't say, oh, this is what I got from my father. This is this. That's not scriptural. He said God has not given us the spirit of slavery. The, if the son shall set you free, you are really free indeed. You're very free. If you're not free, you can't follow the spirit. You can't, you can't decide what to follow because you'll be bound by what holds you. So the Bible says you don't have obligation. Don't, don't be convinced by this lie of the devil that you don't have an answer. You see, it's, it's my problem. It's not your problem. Jesus solved the problem where he made you a new creature. All things, all, all things are passed away. All things, not some things, have become new. And so we can all follow, we can all, all of us, can make up our minds to subject ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, guidance of the Holy Spirit, so that we, we, so that we can knock out this other pool that leads us away from God and actually into destruction. So um, we need to make up our mind. It's a question of uh, do you have the will? Do you want the Holy Spirit to guide you? So the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12 for if there, if there be faced a willing mind because some people are not willing some people just don't want the Holy Spirit to, to guide them because they, they think Either he doesn't know what he's doing or they don't like what, what he's you tell them or they simply just don't want to do what the Holy Spirit wants them to do. So there has to be faced a willing mind. Once we have a willing mind, they say where, where there's a will, there's a way. Once we have a, a willing mind, then we come under the subject, under the power of the Holy Spirit. God supplies the power, supplies the ability. But we have to be willing to be led of the Holy Spirit. There are another benefit of the guidance of the Holy Spirit is that we prosper in all the affairs of life, in health, in everything we do. We, if we are failing, it's probably because we are not following the Holy Spirit's guidance to life. Because the Bible says when he guides you, he will lead you, lead you to life. And then the scripture says that Jesus leads us in victory always. So if we follow the guidance of the Spirit of Christ, he will lead us in victory over everything. It's exactly what God told them Joshua, he says, see this my words of instruction, if you follow them, if you follow them, then you make your, your, all you do prosperous. You, you, you deal wisely in the affairs of life because the guidance of the Spirit will guide you in the wisdom of God. And God told them, you will succeed. You have good success. You have good success. That make it rich and does not answer. You have good success in everything you do. So if we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us we prosper. We really prosper. We over Challenges will come. It's normal. But we will overcome because the Bible says that Christ leads us in victory always, not sometimes. So if he's not leading us, then we may not really experience victory as we should. Second, uh, 3 John 2. 3 John 2, verse 1. Beloved, 3 John, verse 2, sorry. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you must prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. So 
And the Bible teaches us that it's the word of God that prospers the soul. Prosper the soul that delivers your soul from corruption. From, from corruption that is from the evil world and the evil sources. So the, the, the word of God prospers our soul. The guidance of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that he gives us prospers our soul. And the scripture says if our soul is prospered, then we prosper in health too and prosper in every other thing that we do. And look at verse 3. It says, for I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. The truth is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. As thou walkest in the truth. And remember, the Holy Spirit was sent to guide us into all the truth. So when we allow him to guide us into all the truth, then our soul will prosper. And we will walk, we prosper in, even in businesses. Even in businesses. The guidance of the Holy Spirit, it's about everything about the child of God. There is no area that is not included in it. We prosper in health. Prosper in your business, like the scriptures say, if you find the word, you find life, and then you find help. And then because, again, you have faith that overcomes. So our general prosperity comes from being guided and led by the Holy Spirit. Remember that when we begin to do our own thing, there are ways that cement right in the eyes of men, but the end thereof is the way of it. Now, let's note something very important here that the guidance of the Holy Spirit is not always spectacular like visions there could be visions yes like dreams there could be dreams sure sometimes yes but it's not always spectacular we can't always expect something spectacular when we need guidance from the Holy Spirit we can't after all he guides you every day he guides you every day it's not, it's, how many spectacular things have you seen here happen in your life in one week? But he guides you. That's how you live as a Christian. So we shouldn't be expecting spectacular things, dramatic things. And we always associate the Holy Spirit to dramatic things and spectacular things. That would make, make you miss the move of the Spirit of God in your life so many times. It's not always spectacular, but it's always supernatural. It's always supernatural. Why? Because it's the spirit. It's supernatural because it's not in the realm of the natural. This is the spirit activity. It's the activity of, in the spirit world. So it's not, it's not natural. It's super, it super, supersedes the natural. So it's always supernatural what God does because God is a, a spirit. Everything that God does is a spiritual phenomenon. Look at Elijah's example. Uh, so you see that the guidance of God is not always spectacular. And you must, you must delete it from your mind that God is always spectacular. Because like I said, it will make you miss God. First King 19 from verse 10. First King 19.10. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of Ephesus, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, listen to this, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains. So you would have thought that if it's God that is wanting to talk to Elijah, this spectacular thing must be God. You know, so he said, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. If it's today, that's it. Everybody is running there. The Lord is there. What? Did you see what happened, man? God, the scripture said God was not in that wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. If the wind didn't do it for many, the earthquake will do it for the rest of them. An earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. God is not always spectacular. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, then, a still small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard that voice, heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, he recognized divine presence. Not by earthquakes, not by fire, not by all those things. Which today is the dominant thing people think, uh, reveal that God is doing something. 
he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance, entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here? That voice was God's voice. It didn't come by mountain renting and all this wild and wind. And no, the Bible said God was nothing, all of that. But it came with a small, still, small, still voice. Small, still voice. He had it. Elijah had it. Elijah had it. A, a still, small voice. How gentle God can be. How humble our God is. How lowly he is. He comes to our level. He doesn't come to make frighten us. He doesn't come. No. He, come. he became man. He became man. Lived with us. That's our God. That he knows who we are. He knows how he made us. Small voice. God does not intimidate people. God does not intimidate people to, to pose and think. No, does not intimidate people. And so you see, there's not, God is not always spectacular, but it's always supernatural. Now, guidance begins with our choice. Guidance begins with our choice. You say, choice? Sure. Begins with our choice. It begins with our choice. Because we need to choose. We need to. The scripture says we need to choose. We need to make our choice. We need to supply our will. That we need for God to guide us. So guidance begins with our choice. Why? The scripture says we should not be like mules and horses. We shouldn't be. God is not going to lead us like mules and horses that are forced to follow. It's not, it's not that way. Look at uh, Psalm 32 verse 9. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with beat and bread, lest they come near unto thee. God said, no. His guidance is not like, like we are mules. We are sons of God. We are not mules. We are not horses. We are sheep. You don't see any sheep that they put anything in the nose to pull him by force. You don't see that. So the guidance of God starts with us being acting like sheep and being willing. Being willing to be laid. Like a sheep, every sheep is willing to be laid. The one that's not willing to be laid is goats are never willing to be laid. But sheep, once the shepherd moves, they follow. There's a willingness that we have to have. So, so for us to have this guidance, Proverbs 3.5, lean not Trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5. Can you give it to me? Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Verse 6. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him. Then, he will direct and make straight and playing your part. God is not going to guide us as we are horses, we lack understanding, we are mules. No, we are sheep. We have to choose. We need to choose not to be wise in our own eyes, reverently fear and worship. Verse 7. Be, be not wise in your own eyes, which means you don't, you don't go make your choices. Like Eve and Adam did. Be not wise in your own eyes, because that's what the enemy wants you to do. Reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely away from evil. Now, verse, go back to verse 6. Verse 6 says, In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge Him, and He will not direct and make straight and plain your path. You know, some people have confusion. They don't know guidance of God, especially when it comes to marriage. A lot of people are confused. Many people really don't understand the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They're so confused about it. But the point is that you need to make sure that in all your ways you've practiced recognizing and acknowledging God as your Lord. Make sure that in all your ways you have practiced. You have practiced. You meditate daily practice to recognize, acknowledge him. Then he should direct your path. But if your practice is to disregard him, 
and lean onto your own understanding. And after you've gotten angry and done your own thing, you just go your own way. If you have not by reason of use, the Bible says by reason of use, you can discern good and bad. You need to have, you need to recognize, you need to practice the way of recognizing the lordship of Jesus over your life and acknowledge him as such is something that we must do in all our ways so that we now learn how he guides us. So it, it, we, it becomes a way of life to follow him. But if you are doing your own thing and all of a sudden now you want to marry, all of a sudden you want God to guide you, you haven't been listening to him. You never even if you recognize him, you don't acknowledge him. You don't know him. You don't know, even if he talks, you may not be able to recognize it because you don't know him. So these are the things that will help and enhance our ability to be led by the Holy Spirit and, and to be able to recognize his voice. You know, through this recognize, acknowledge him, we come to know him in intimate relationship. As you build relationship with somebody, you know the person more and more and more. Such a, to the point that when you hear his voice, anywhere you say, oh, that's so, 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 so person. That thing comes by continuous interaction and fellowship with the person. So in all our ways, recognize and acknowledge him. But if you choose not to, and you want to lean onto your own understanding, then you will not know him. You will not even know his voice. And then guidance will be confusion for you. So we must choose to acknowledge him every day. We must choose. This scripture tells us how to get God direct us. It's to honor him. So he honors. In all your ways, know, recognize, acknowledge him. You come to church, they preach these things, they tell you this, you go home and do what you like and say, is it this, is it this thing they are doing in church? Really? You are going to need, the, <laughs> you are going to need that, direct, that instruction one day. You are going to need guidance one day. And that's when people get confused. They start running after all manner of human beings, prophets and whatever, and getting into demonic confusion. Attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, more guidance will be given. Understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. That's it. Those who are not listening to what God is saying, they want to lean onto their own understanding. They follow their culture. They follow their, you know, times union. Follow whatever. So they they want to impress them. They, you know, the, the church is. Uh, I, I think the church really thinks it's a badge of honor to be worldly, to wear worldly clothes, to to be ahead of the world in all this fashion of the world, and all this drinking. White parties. Some people think it's a badge of honor. Movies and movies, and yet in the home, there's no Bible for the children. Games all over the place, there is no Bible for the children. Setting them up to backslide. To backslide. God said, if you are not paying attention to what I'm telling you, I'm not telling you more. Guidance is over. I'm not telling you more. Even the ones you have, I'm going to take it away from you. I think this thing should make us think twice. Psalm 25, verse 14. The secret of the, 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 secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, revere, and worship him, and he will show them his covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. Those who honor him, God will show and God will give guidance and reveal the mysteries of his kingdom. To In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's what I have to do, and that's what you need to do. To present our bodies is what we need to do. It's a choice. We make a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's what I do. That's what you do. That's our responsibility. And be not conformed to this world, brethren, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove 
you may now prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God so that you begin to understand the guidance of God and the will of God. Number two is that we need to choose to love him. Love directs where our heart goes. Love is a very powerful thing. Anything you love, you find time for. Anything you love, if, if, you, if you are sleeping, they wake you up. You find reason to, to go and do that. Love is a very powerful thing that directs the heart of a man. Remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. If a man love me, then keeping my words is easy. Because love will make him do what I said. And my father and, and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. First John 2, 5. But those who obey God's words truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. To listen to God and to obey his instruction is God's definition of love for him. That's God's definition of love for him. And that's God's definition of those who are living in him. Luke 14, 26. If any man come to me and hate not his, brother, his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. See, if there's something that you love more than Jesus, that thing will be your Lord. That thing. That thing will be what you follow. That thing will be what directs your heart. For wherever your a man's treasure is, that's where his heart will be. That thing will be what you follow. You, to, the Spirit of God can't guide you effectively because you love this thing so much, more than God. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's not possible. That's why Jesus said, if you love anything more than me, you cannot be my disciple because the love you have for that thing will make you not listen to me. So guidance will not be effective at all. See, love for the world will wipe away the love you have for Jesus. Straight away. First John 2.15, we know the scripture, but I'll read it again. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He cannot be guided by the Spirit of God. Because he will find reasons why he is not going to listen to scripture. The Bible says we should be do all things decently in order. No, he won't do that. He will wear rag and be decent. He will find reasons. He will argue. He will argue. Draw close to God. Invest your time with God. No, no, he will argue. Because he loves the world and what the world is giving him. Because the value system of the world is money. Especially when money is tumbling in. What are you telling him anymore? He's got it all made. He's got two ends meeting. So what are you talking about? First John 2 verse 16. For all that is in the world, the loss of the flesh and the loss of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away. We should know this verse very well. And the world passeth away. All these things the world supplies, they pass away. They are not eternal. They are not eternal. That's why God said, this beauty of the outside beauty of fear, and he said, that's, that's not what impresses me. I want the inner beauty of the spirit that is eternal. Jesus said, follow me for eternal things. These things that are here for a moment, it's not worth giving your soul and your heart to them. And the world passeth away, and the lost thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abided forever. That's the difference at the end of the day. There is an end to all these things we are doing. There is an end. Brethren, there is an end. But he that doeth the will of God abided forever. Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay off. Oh, Colossians 3, 1. Colossians 1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Remember what we're saying, that what you love is what will guide you. 
If you love Jesus, he will guide you. Set your affections on things on high. So you can, you can willingly accept the guidance of the Lord for your life. Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So the scripture is saying, don't, don't make the things of this world your treasure because they have an end, they rust. They, they don't last forever. You buy a car today, two, two, few months, another model has come out. Three months down, three years down the line, it's a very old model. Remember I took my Mercedes to, to the biggest dealership to fix it. And they told me that they, they don't even have the code of the coding of that vehicle anymore. They don't, they don't have the code and they couldn't really fix it. And this is 10, 10 years old. They don't have the coding anymore. They told me they are just working on it by their experience. I mean, this is the biggest Mercedes dealership. That will tell you what the scripture is telling us is true. These things rust away. They are not forever. They, they are not forever, I'm telling you. So we should really readjust our love and leave the love of these things that are temporary alone and love Jesus. And he will give you these things that you need, really. And they meet the needs of your life. So that we'll be able to now do his will. He said, if you love me, you do what I say. So guidance will be, will, will really, really will be very, very uh, effective in our lives. Look at what Paul said. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. See, he loved Jesus. He said, that's what controls what I do. Now, in Luke chapter 14, verse 27, and whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know what Jesus is saying? What he's saying is that if you, if you, if you can't lay down your life, if it comes to dying and you're not prepared to die, to be able to do my will and what I'm instructing you, you can't follow me. Bearing cross is the ultimate. Where you say, if it, if it means death, I'm prepared to die. Because the Lord said to do this. Because if you are not prepared to, then there's a, there's a limit to which you are prepared to pay a price and you stop following the Lord. You stop being guided by him. Even to so many people, the threshold is very low. Very, very low. They can follow until somebody says something they don't like, and that's the end of following. Very, very low threshold. And Jesus said, Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The Lord said, Cannot be. He can't follow me. The guidance is he's not going to work. He can't follow me. Let's, let, let's read further, verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, seated not down first, counted the cost? You see what he's talking about bearing the cross? He's counting the cost. Whether he have sufficient to finish. Less happily after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. So he's talking about paying the price because following Jesus, if, if you want guidance of the Holy Spirit, it's not always hooray, hooray, hooray. The guidance will take you sometimes through pain. It will challenge your ego sometimes. God's guidance is not always through, you know, things that are always, uh, you know, because Jesus followed the guidance of the Father to the cross. Followed it to the cross. So we, we can't put a limit to the price we can pay if we really want to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and let him guide us. And then he says that a Christian who is not prepared to pay the price for him is not worth much for him. That's the Lord talking. That's not me. Look at verse 31. Luke 14, 31. Or what king going to make war against another king seated not down first and consulted whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, why the other is yet a great way off, he sended an ambassador and desired conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he had, including his life. If you, if you can't forsake everything, 
He cannot be my disciple. Then he said something. That's the four is something we need to see. Salt is good. But if the salt have lost its savour, well without shall, shall it be seasoned? 35. It's neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that had ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is saying that a Christian who is not prepared to give in everything he has for my sake is not worth much. It's like a sword that doesn't have uh, uh, taste, that doesn't have seasoning quality, just bland, you know, nothing at all. White powder. He says it's just that's what it means. The salt in us. The salt in us is the ability to say to Jesus, even if he takes my life, I will do what you say. That's the salt that seasons the, that keeps us, preserves us. That's the salt that preserves us. That's the salt that preserves us. That's what Esther did. If I perish, I perish. That's what Jesus is saying. I think we want guidance. We should look at these things and understand them. Look at Abraham, Genesis 22:2, and he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, who, the only son whom thou lovest, and gave thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee. Brethren, think of this. God didn't even ask this boy when he was a baby. God waited until this boy grew. Mean the love of this man's heart, the only ch- can you think of what that boy meant to Abraham? God waited until this boy grew. People knew him. It was the joy of the family. It was the joy of the mother. It was the, it was the, the, the mean the light that shined in their lives was this boy. And God didn't say, give it to me after birth. He waited until they saw the value of this boy. The thing, every day they were seeing the value of this boy. This boy was a fulfillment of covenant, a fulfillment of promise, a fulfillment of promise. It was a, a revelation of divine faithfulness. It was everything to this man and the wife. And God said, give it to me. Hand him over to me. Verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. He didn't waste time. Saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God has told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place. Three days journey. First day, he would have gone back. Second day, he would have gone back. He would have found, reason to, found a reason to go back. Maybe he said, I'm too old. I can't walk anymore. Three days journey. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the ass, and I and the Lord will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand, and the knife, brethren, a knife to kill his son, because God said, Do it, and we can't forgive one another. We can't forgive people. And we come and be dancing Abraham blessings are mine. Our, our, our price level is threshold is very low. And they went forth of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb? For a burnt offering. Man, at this point, I'll be crying. At this point, I'm breaking down. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. That was anointing of God on this, this faithful servant of Jesus. I mean, faithful servant of God. He pronounced prophetically what God was going to do. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they, were, they went both of them together. He was talking about the coming of Christ. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. I'm talking of Jesus said, if you love anything more than me, if you are not prepared to give up everything, you are like a sword that is just mere white powder. It's no use to me. 
And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. Verse 12. And he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Now I know by the price you are prepared to pay. Jesus said, if you are not prepared to pay, this, if you are not prepared to pay, give up everything, you can't follow me. Because sometimes we will demand that. He will demand that. Especially in these last days in which we live, where there's, there's increased persecution for the church. There's what I call Christ, Christian, Christian, Christian phobia. There is heightened Christian phobic activity. All over America, all over Christian phobic activity, the end times are here. And so God says, You want to follow me? You'll be prepared to pay this price because it's coming. It's coming. He says, Seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me, then God pronounced something in verse 16. I want us to read. And said, By myself I, I, have I sworn, said the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing now I bless thee, and in multiplying now I multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sun which is upon the sea, shall, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed, Jesus, Shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Brethren, look at it. God handed this man an eternal covenant that connects the coming Christ because he was prepared to give up anything because God says so. That's what guidance entails. We can't take guidance from the surface. We should go and discuss the nitty-gritty of guidance, the foundations of guidance, so we know what it entails. Now, look at Paul in Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto me, to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, number three is that we need to deal with our ego because our ego can come in between the guidance of God and ourselves. You know, Jesus Christ, when he came, he made himself of no reputation. Philippians 2.7 But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. He see this giving God all unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore now God also had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above Every name. Our ego can be, can be an issue when it comes to guidance. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, want me to lead him, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What does it mean deny himself? Take down your ego. Deny yourself. Say no to yourself. Take down your ego and pride. All these things that make us take offense easily. Take down your... They don't know who I am. No, you don't. You are not. You are not ready for guidance. You are not ready yet. It's nothing like that. Jesus was God. The Bible says He made Himself of no reputation. He all those things He just set it aside, and became a servant. And it's our example. So we need to take down our ego. We must take down our ego if we want guidance. If we want clarity in guidance. If we really want to follow Jesus. Now, John 5, 41. I do not receive honor from, from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If any man comes in his own name, him will you receive. 44. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from, comes from the only God? He said, if we are not seeking the, the approval of God and we're seeking the approval of men, our ego will come in. But if you want the approval of God, like the Bible talks of Jesus, a man approved of God. If you want the approval of God, 
Then you take down your ego, my ego. They don't, we don't count. We don't count. Look at uh, Psalm 25, verse 9. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his ways. Who is a meek person? A meek person is somebody who has shut down his ego. Easily entreated, receives instruction very easily. Does not, God said, I will not, I will not always uh, struggle with men. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. A meek person is done with that. Easily entreated, easily, very humble, lowly. And those are the ones that God will lift up. He lifted up Jesus. He lifted up Abraham. The secrets of the Lord is for those that fear him, those that honor him. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resisted the proud, but gives grace to the humble. First Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that I will exhort you in due time. Again, you may not be able to have clarity of guidance if you are walking in spiritual blindness. If you are spiritually blind. First John 2. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if any man does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Verse 2. He, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of, the, the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Verse 5. But those who obey God's words only truly show how completely they love him. And that is how we know that we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, how did Jesus live his life? Verse 7. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you had before. Yet, it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. That's what it means by if you say you believe in Jesus, you shall live as he lived. He said, this is, the, this is the commandment that Jesus lived. He lived this commandment of loving people. Verse 8. Yet as it was, yet it, it is also in you, Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. And you also are living it for the darkness is disappearing. The true light is already shining. If anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. How does he get, how does he get spiritual guidance? When he's spiritually blind. Verse 10. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go does not know the way to go. Having been blinded by the darkness, he can't receive spiritual guidance. Brethren, we can't go teaching the method how God guides us. We should come and look at the nitty-gritty underlying things that hinder people and make them confused. Year after year, they don't understand the guidance of the Spirit. If I ask to some people, whether they say anything like that, they don't even know. Ephesians 4, 7. With the lost authority, I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds, hardened their hearts against him. A Christian can't do this. When you close your mind and harden your heart against God, you are living in spiritual darkness. You are living in spiritual darkness and guidance will be so far away from you. Now, this last point I want to make is that the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit is a spiritual phenomenon. Like everything God does, because God is not a man. God is a spirit. Not an intellectual exercise, not an emotional exercise, but a purely spiritual activity. The spirit of the Lord lives in our spirit, communes with our spirit. First Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. 
We are joined to the Lord. Our spirit is joined to him. He lives in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so because the things of God are not received to, by your flesh, for your flesh does not know what God is doing, so God cannot be communicating to you by your flesh, by your goose pimples, by your feelings, by, you know, God doesn't communicate to us through all those kind of things. Now, you see, when God, when Paul pronounces benediction, if you notice recently, I will pronounce benediction on the congregation because I realize that that is what the pastor should do. Paul will pronounce blessings on the church and I realize that God taught uh, his people how to pronounce blessings on his people, Israel. He said, this is how you bless my people, Israel. So the prayer pastor should pronounce blessings of benediction upon the congregation as they are living. So look at the benediction that Paul pronounced. Second Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now in Galatians 6, 18, listen to Paul. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Be with your spirit. So if the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with your spirit, and the love of God also, and the communion of the, of the Spirit should be with your spirit, not with your flesh. God is not dealing with our flesh. He's dealing with our spirit. And so God reveals, guides us and leads us by our, by our spirit and not by our senses. I think I'll start from here next time. We're going to talk about the fact that we are spirit beings and how we are spirit beings. And how through our spirit we can hear God and then make sure that we are being led of the spirit of God. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Precious Father, I just want to thank you again for the privilege we have to prepare us to be able to be people who are in unity with you. For two cannot work together except they agree. A lot of people are confused when it comes to guidance of your spirit because these underlying things, they make people stumble. They create stumbling and we don't get to our goal of being in good union with you and knowing you more and walking by your guidance. I pray, Lord, that you help us understand these things and as your spirit opens our eyes to really begin to correct them where we need to correct them so that we'll draw closer to you and you'll draw closer to us. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to pray for the sick that are hearing me this evening. I want to pray for you. It's all part of the commission that Jesus gave to pray the gospel and pray for the sick. Father, I want to thank you because you commissioned your church to pray for the sick, to heal the sick. Pray the gospel, heal the sick, and bring the fullness of your kingdom to the world. Father, I stand here by your commission, humbly under your arm, under your powerful arm, in obedience to your word. And I'm praying for everybody who is sick hearing me, or anybody has somebody who is sick and they are standing for the person or laying their hands on the person right now, you are the God that healed us. I pray that you set forth your merciful hand and heal your people. Heal them from head to toe. That your name will be glorified. That the world will know that Jesus is Lord over all. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.